Like, you aren't going to fight about sex. You are just going to be deprived or overloaded. Perhaps there's a topic of conversation that we are all considerably guilty of, even to this present day. The subconsciously derived urge that ripples from the dark waters below and whispers, just check it, it's okay. You can just look for a short while. You already know the issue with these thoughts and no one needs to tell you what the problem is and probably no one has ever told you in the past, yet you still do it. You naturally know what's wrong with it, you still do it though. It's fine, we've all done it. So many people that still do it, and it's something that needs to stop. Just admit it first, though. You are still attached to that person, to your ex, to the person that's popping up in your mind when I say that. But you don't know why or how, and here it is. I'll tell you how and why. When you spend more than 50% of your time in the company of another They become part of your self-identity, and of course, that goes in both directions. You become part of theirs. You both share a mutual existence as two entities who have perhaps become one entity accidentally, and often, if you are not careful enough, you will tend to share a social personality and conclusively a human mind together. You act and perform socially to retrieve a reaction from your partner. You are probably not conscious of this, but that's the case. Whether it's a positive or negative reaction, isn't in the question. Performing continuously, and notice I say performing because that's what it truly is. You are performing continuously to expect a reaction, and that is a rather deadly and predictable brutal end to a relationship that could have been avoided or lived out more beneficially. It's most definitely okay to share a social mind together, but Carl Jung once said, who is a psychologist, if we could all get along, we wouldn't need to be in love. A lot of relationships still consist of domestic violence and emotional abuse, and I need to tap into this before I go any further into the episode. Of course, we can all agree that more men are prone to conducting these acts. That's pure fact. However, I'm not ruling out women in this equation either. There were studies put forward in 2014 by the World Health Organization, which was sculpted specifically around the intimate partner violence, also known as domestic violence. They noted that an estimate of 35% of all women have experienced IPV, intimate partner violence, by a partner or sexual violence by a non-partner during their lifetimes. It's also critical to understand that even if you are in a relationship with another, this goes for women as well, no means no. There's a zero tolerance or excuse for acting past the point of no. I know that my audience on this podcast is a few numbers off being split, pretty much evenly 50-50, but down the middle. I'm pretty confident that it's going to hit the right people. There is zero tolerance or excuse for acting past the point of no. Also, I know of many cases personally through friends and previous friends that were extremely abusive towards their partners or have been abused. This isn't isolated in the physical category either. Emotional abuse is the most used and underestimated form of abuse. There is also zero tolerance for manipulation or any form of abuse in general. But that is all 
pretty much a subject that I can extend on in another episode. So continuing on, when you think back to being with your ex or your exes, you begin to see visual visuals appear within your mind. Instinctively, you begin to experience once again what was happening in the circumstances you were thinking of. This causes your present body, your today body, to refill with those exact emotions plus emotions of regret and or despair. Mixing emotions is much like mixing chemicals. Very rarely does it have a positive outcome, especially when it's unintentional. So when we throw our mind back and relive these moments with our ex-partners, we are quite literally bringing a distorted perspective of the past into the present day. We are literally living in the past. This is how that works. When we are with a partner, certainly, sorry, when we are with a partner, certain emotions, if you will, begin to have that partner's name splattered all over the surface of these emotions. If you're happy around your partner, you naturally put their name to it. If you're sad or angry or even horny around them, you put their name to it and so forth. This happens whether you are conscious of it or not. And I'm pretty sure this is this is generally a whole relationship. That rule goes for a whole relationship. So a lot of things happen whether you are conscious of it or not. They're still happening. So when the time comes to part ways, split up. And by the way, congratulations for parting ways with your ex or maybe you haven't yet, but you, you know you should. Not because they're a horrible person, but because a lot of the times they aren't horrible people. But humans need to cut ties with all beings that no longer serve us purpose and in this case, you and your ex weren't serving a purpose to each other any longer. So when we come to our crossroads and hopefully we have gone in separate directions to them, if things were bitter or not working out, sometimes they aren't bitter. Sometimes you both just need room to flourish individually. But when we come to the end of relationships, we tend to hold onto those fond memories for a much longer time than we need to and a much longer time than we should. Let's be honest with ourselves. This is simply because of what I said before about attaching our emotions to their presence, to their existence, and their personality. So instead, we are continuously battling with our brain, not our mind, with our brain attempting to address reasons as to why we made a wrong decision, even though nearly all the time we have not. Let me tell you this. Once a relationship has ended, you do not go back. Here's a rub off on that. Everything begins and everything ends. Everything is inevitable. I said that wrong. (laughs) Everything is inevitably short-lived. The beautiful or crushing fact, however you choose to look at it, is that you and your partner will either split up with each other or one of you will die. Then that life that you once shared together ceases to exist on our medium plane of existence. Now, some people have told me already that I'm brutally... Um straightforward with the fact that something continues or we end it or we die the whole stigma around or we die is is i've had controversy about it <laughs> since i said it in the last few episodes but the fact of it is if you don't realize that one day this all just goes gone then you'll struggle to come to a conclusion with a lot of decisions in life. But anyways, different episode. So now is the time to stop checking your ex's social profiles. Now is the time to delete the photos 
that are on your phone, which you scroll through in bed before going to sleep, which, by the way, is the worst time you can look at these photos and delete those messages that you scroll through as well. Guys don't do it as much, but a lot of girls tend to scroll back through messages. I'm not sure why guys don't do it. I think it's more of the emotional attachment. Um, they don't fancy scrolling through the messages. They'd rather just look at photos or just go through their exes' profiles on social media. But anyways, delete all scratches. D delete all evidence of the occurrence happening. Now is the time, right now, as I'm speaking, to let go of the past because if you rely on others to bring you joy, you will never be happy with yourself. So now that you, your brain, and of course I, have agreed that you will stop monitoring your ex's profile altogether. By the way, it's really important to have a third, sorry, a second perspective, a, a second person to be there for you and actually make sure you aren't doing this. Even if you can, like, if you if you do go look back at your ex's profile and you know you shouldn't have, tell that friend, like, just, just say, hey, let's make a deal. I really need your help right now. I need to detach from my ex and detach from the emotions. And by doing that, I'm going to stop looking at the profile, delete all the photos, blah, blah, blah. Every time you do it, every time you go back and look, tell that friend because it sinks in you more when you see their reaction and when you hear their reaction. So it's really important to have someone else there that helps you through it. So you have agreed that you will stop monitoring your ex's profiles altogether. Not gradually stop, not a slow stop. Stop indefinitely. Now's the time. Then we can move on to the basic fundamental relationship rules that most of us don't know of. We're going to do this so next time you are in a flourishing relationship, you will know how to enjoy it and you'll enjoy it for as long as it lasts. Remember, as I said before, it will end without a doubt. It's only up to you and your mind as to how you wish to interpret that fact. You can either live in a relationship happy and, and joyful and abundant, or you can always be worried about when the day comes whether it's a mutual agreement or one of you dies, whatever. The fact is, it's going to end, but you need to enjoy it and make sure it's a conscious, healthy relationship throughout the whole process. All right, so with new couples, it's, it's important to fight about everything. And I know how baffled and against that you are because I was too when I first heard about this. It does go a long way to say that this depends on your personality though. Extroverted people naturally find it more effective to fight. By the way, conflict in this case holds zero violence. Don't be mistake, mistaken by my word choice. Introverted, introverted, pardon me, introverted people will tend to shy away, close off and not discuss it at all. But then once both introverted and extroverted people can see the faults in their ways and become conscious of their thoughts and how their thoughts impact their relationship, more thorough and collected debates will happen. But for many people, this takes time. 
It's valuable to always be heading in the direction of toning it down if you're if you're an extrovert, or warming it up if you're an introvert. Depending on, like I said, if you're introverted or extroverted, it seems to go against the natural grain of society when I say conflict or fight with your partner. And that's exactly what relationships need, though. You need to always be open and straight up with your partner. Nothing is too small to fight about because you have a lot of things to figure out. You always will. I'm not talking about resentful, violent, throwing down in the fucking backyard and bitter fighting. You can take it with a grain of salt, of course. But it's important to always be open and ready to discuss both of each other's perspectives. I'll give you an example. Not going to lie, I'll be honest with you guys. Um, I was talking to someone a few weeks ago, and that person was very introverted and very closed off. Um, there was no kind of shift happening. There was no, I don't know, it was just like, there was no movement there. There was no, none of that changing, and she, I did, couldn't see any time soon that she was going to warm up to to my presence and, and be more open with me when she's feeling feelings that she thinks she should say but she won't say. So I called it off because it was it's not something, you know, I will only be, I don't know, even with friends as well. Like, or I've had people come to me and ask about certain things, about how they can deal with something, but if no one is willing to help themselves or that's not even in their best interest... If helping themselves is their last priority and they, they focus on everyone else and care about everyone else, which, by the way, is as toxic... It's, it's hard to say this, but it's as... Caring about everyone else and putting yourself last is as toxic as being extremely selfish and egotistic. And it's two opposite ends of the spectrum, but with the same detrimental mental effects happen. So being too kind is... A bad thing. Please understand that. But now I'm talking to another person, and she's also quite introverted. But there's there's wiggle room with her. Like she's she's happy to to talk about it and and work on opening up a bit more. And for anyone that knows me, they know that you know, like I have social anxiety that creeps up if I'm not being conscious of it or my energy levels aren't too high, my social anxiety will creep up, and I'm I'm quite introverted, I tried to tell myself in the past, like, I'm extroverted, but no, I'm freaking not, I, <laughs> as much as I love people, and love studying people, and how our brains work, and uh, social behaviours, and all these kind of things, I'm always working on myself to be less socially anxious, because I'm, I'm very introverted when it comes down to all things, um, but it's important like I said before, that every conflict is violence-free. Like, there's no bitterness within the conflict. It's Having emotions tied in some conflicts is, is important, but having emotions tied in all conflicts are, is not important. It, it's Sorry, it's not useful, and it's going to destroy the relationship as well. So detaching your emotions from... Your discussions, debates, fights, conflicts, whatever you want to say is extremely important because with emotions we get carried away quite easy. So we've got to step back from our perspective, look at the big picture, 
Sorry, I know what that was. It was like gonna be burp, and then I just swallowed the fucking world in one, one breath. Um, but look at the big picture and try and relate to each other on those fields because you know those people. We all know those people. It could be you. Could be you. I know a lot of people where they say we don't argue at all. Come on. People that say they don't argue at all are usually delusionally compressed by their bottled emotions. And I even, this is going out to one of my closest friends as well. <laughs> like, if you don't argue at all, you're, you're convincing yourself that your compressed emotions is a good action. That, oh, it's better if I just don't bring it up and then we can just stay happy. Like, no, your freaking brain is just going to explode one day. You will crumble into an abyss of depression and and anxiety and you'll just be rattled for for years to come if you don't smack off that top and just let the juices flow out just be honest and straight up that's the only way things can get fixed easy have you ever seen the result of a person who is jealous but doesn't say anything It's as bad as someone who is jealous and always says something. The long term of being jealous and never saying anything is much worse than a jealous person saying it all the time. Both cases, stop being jealous. Just just cut it out. It's not worth it. There's, there's a reason there's a thing called trust and love. If you don't trust someone, it's because you're insecure about what you think. And because most of the case, if you think your ex, your, your, your ex or partner or whoever you're with is talking to other people, that's because you are, or that's because you have, or that's because you think that you will. And that's the only case. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> People that say they're not going to, or they don't argue at all, like, oh, no, we're perfect. Like, we don't argue. It just doesn't really come to that. Well, your compressed emotions are going to destroy the relationship, the entirety of your mental capability, and everything that exists. But you can always come back from that. Insane, that, of course. But, <laughs> like, you need to argue about things. You need to fight. You need conflict. You need discussions, debates, whatever you want to call it, whatever, you, however you want to approach it. Like, you aren't going to fight about sex. You are just going to be deprived or overloaded. You're not going to fight about flirting with others. You, you are just going to get jealous or not use flirting in totality when it can be a valuable tool on some occasions. You aren't going to fight about how well done up you can look when you go out. Like, come on, these subjects are the elephant in the room. And I guarantee you, like, people don't talk about this enough. It... it it sparks up after the things have happened. Like, it just, it needs to happen, needs to be talked about long before it even rises to the occasion. Like, if you ever see a very healthy relationship, there is flirting on both parts. Like, there is <laughs> flirting with other people. There is not, it's not like, it's not sexual flirting. There's a total difference flirt, there's totally different sorry there's a huge difference in flirting sexually and flirting socially and for people around 20 and young adults and teens we don't actually understand that because we haven't come to the whole dinner party stage of our life but it's true there is two different types of flirting 
and the left side, which I will say is social flirting, is extremely valuable and much different to the right side, which is sexual flirting. However, continuing on again, you aren't going to, you know, you're not going to get anywhere if you're not discussing these conversations, discussing these topics that need to be discussed. Like, come on, like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. But getting everything out into the open is critical in order to experience an incredible relationship. Never assume your partner, your partner agrees or knows something. Because if you haven't heard the classic saying, assumptions make an ass out of you and me, and it's 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 truly the case. Like if you assume that your partner knows something, you you're tearing the relationship apart just increments at a time. If you're good at this whole discussion thing and being open with your partner, if you're both good at it, you can transform fighting into a, a relatively peaceful and well-controlled discussion. That's the goal, of course, but you need to avoid the cliche three-month honeymoon that we all know and love because right after the starting fraction of getting to know each other in that three-month period, once that ends, it's freaking every man for themselves. Like, things get intense and we feel unprepared. It feels like the reality of our relationship just smacks us in the face. Instead... Just be honest from day one, because that way you'll know from the very start if both of you can put up with each other's shit and if you can both love each other immensely despite your differences or despite your disagreements. Disagreements as well. I just made up a new word. That's exciting. There are lots of things to iron out and straighten out in relationships, in, in friendships, in with family. And I also... Well, the reason I didn't say debate at the start, or discuss, I said fight, because, I mean fight, I didn't say debate, people need conflict, it's not pleasant, but it's better to have the damn conflict than to live out the bottled up chaos over two decades, and then one day explode and be like, I hate how you've always done this, and then you get a divorce and the kids are fucked, um, <laughs> I see this in so many families, pretty much in all families, there's at least I'm not going to say pretty much, I'm saying definitely in all family there's at least one person who has their hands around another's neck, like just in the shadow, like you're having the family gathering or maybe it's just in a small tight household that you're in, there's always that one person that's just like in the in the underworld, it's just strangling the other person, like it's got him by the neck and it's this always tense, tense feel that's always existent existing sorry and it stays that way usually until one of them passes on to the other world but it's 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 amazing when we can uh, you know come up to that differences and come up to the person who you know on either side of the strangling and talk about it most of the case it's not talking about it most of the case it starts off with a freaking fire like <laughs> there's emotions there and we aren't taught how to handle these emotions and power like it just it, it explodes and most of the time it's a fight but you know breaking that ice is extremely important i don't recommend just smacking your brother in the face but or your sister 
<laughs> or your mother or your, or your dad or your grandpa, I don't know. But sometimes all it takes is just a crack, just to break the ice, not a crack in the face, like a metaphorical crack, um, breaking the ice and go in from there and be like, hey, you know, like, I'm sorry that we fought in that way or sorry that we're, I yelled at you, blah, 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 but this is what I feel like if... Like, let's talk about this. Let's figure it out. Why do you feel like this? Why do I feel like this? And how can we both stop being freaking miserable around each other? But also, don't go crazy. Every bit of conflict needs to hold mental discipline and a lot of love. That's the thing with war. There's a lot of mental discipline. There is zero love towards the other the other party in the, in the war. In a relationship... Let's be honest, you are both stupid and blind and you can't think properly because you're both full of biases and uncertainty. But hitting up against each other with well-constructed conflicts creates a dynamic that you can only really achieve with someone you love and a, a, a true, true best friend. You need to tell the truth. When there is conflict, you go to them and you say, if I'm wrong, you don't yell at them, by the way. Actually, sometimes that could work, but I wouldn't yell at them. If I'm wrong, I need to know so I can stop being miserable. If you think it's me, not you, then I'll listen and I'll fix it so we don't have to put up with it for the next 80 years. That's extremely important. Most of the time we think, oh, you know, like even though I just want to... Just smack them out, and they're wrong, and they're bitter, and they're the worst person that humanity has ever had, and I'm leaving with them. However, maybe there's a slight chance that I that I cause this. Well, guess what? There's there's definitely a slight chance that you cause this. It's it's most of the time it's a mutual freaking problem, and conflict will stress the relationship, but if you solve it, the problem, the stress, the relationship, it will just snap back even stronger than it was. It's the exact same with building muscle. You need to test the relationship to make it stronger. In saying that, you need to test it without manipulation or evil intentions, so don't get me wrong with my word choices. Well, relationships are continuously changing, so it's important to continuously check up on it. We are all different individuals, so of course there will be conflict. You need to engage in it because that takes courage and a lot of people in relationships lack this. But in general, you need to engage in conflict. Whether it is a calm, collected debate, fight, whatever. I'm, the reason I have to keep rehashing on this is because it's freaking 2019 and everyone gets offended about a breath of fucking air that smells a bit different. And that's the case. Like even... With, with one of my bosses at work, like, there was, we had this tension that none of us mentioned, and then one day we just cracked each other, and then since then, it's just, like, we're much more open to each other, and now we can go up to each other and say, hey, like, I don't like this, and I can be like, hey, I don't like this, or, like, what can I do to stop this, and he go, what can I do to stop this? Anyways, it happens in all occasions across life, but you need, you need to break that freaking ice, it's just, like, opening on a line with, on, on Tinder, like, you need to break that ice, in order to actually, you know, start having a proper discussion. These days we have, in our relationships, or in our partner picking, 
These days we have an outrageous number of standards for our relationships and that is something we need to drop here as well. Your next partner doesn't need to look like your ex or sound like your ex or act like your ex. They definitely don't need to feel the same during sex as well. Basic standards should be... And by the way, I said that because there are a lot of people who get rattled when... Whatever. They have they have a partner for a few years and then, you know, they, they go back on the market, if you will, and they start, you know, looking again and then perhaps they have sex with someone. They're like, oh, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel the same. This is weird. Doesn't need to feel the same. No one's going to freaking feel the same. Sex is literally as individually unique <laughs> as, as your fingerprint. I'm dead serious. It will never be the exact same. So stop toying with yourself and confusing yourself about that. Just drop it. Just let go of what was and just embrace now what is. Basic standards should be simple and I think you and I can agree on three basic standards. They need to be, they be your partner or someone you're talking to. They need to be a respectful person who shows enough affection or, yeah, I would say enough affection and who has personal goals. And that's it. Just respectful, enough affection and personal goals. Everything else is confetti for all I know. And the just the dilemma with creating standards for the confetti is that the confetti is exceptionally short-lived. It's, like I said before, that first three-month honeymoon experience that we all know of, that we all know and love. Oh my god, this relationship's so good, we're going so well, there's never a problem, it just works so well. And then, you get to the end of three months. Humans naturally attempt to please someone that they are physically or mentally attracted to, but we can only do this for a certain amount of time. We are we are quite lazy as it is, and in most cases, it's a maximum of three months. So, you can see why obsessing over another person's confetti is a huge freaking issue. We demand that the confetti is up to our standards, which is ludicrous because when all elements are stripped back from a person's social construct, it's only their morals we generally care about. So stick to that. Stick to the morals. Don't be a wobbling tower of standards that will eventually fall dramatically and crush everything underneath. In saying all of that, relationships do require incremental minor adjustments continuously. But what I suggest is not hiding your feelings or being confined to your own mind because you're scared to upset your partner. And that's a normal thing. You don't want to upset them. You just want to please them. However, you need to put yourself in the picture as well. You need, if you feel like crap, you say, hey, I feel like crap. Like, let's talk about this. It's a natural law that in order for things to thrive in this world as well, we need equal opposing force. That's why I say conflict. To make fine adjustments, this is what I'll use this metaphor, to make fine adjustments we need immense amount of opposing pressure. So fine adjustments across all planes of, of nature, like that's a fundamental principle in nature. We need immense amounts, perhaps not immense amounts, but equal amounts of opposing pressure 
to make fine adjustments. If you want to shift your finger in the slightest incremental movement possible, it can only be done perfectly with your other hand's finger or something with equal opposing force. Try moving your finger slightly forward and see how it kind of staggers. Now, take your right pointer finger and take your left pointer finger and put the two together like a half cross kind of thing. And now, with opposing forces, try and move your finger again forward and watch how finer the adjustments are. That's because there's equal opposing force. This is why in relationships it's essential to have the same opposite pressure during a conflict if you are incapable of having an Oprah, sorry, an, o- an Oprah, that'd be, that'd be nice having an Oprah hanging around, an open and understanding debate. But I strongly recommend you always be honest and always ask that of your partner too. And by the way, the mind games need to stop once you have sex for the first time. I recommend that the mind games never begin, in my opinion, but hey, can't really expect everything from everyone. While, <laughs> But while we're still on the topic of, com- uh, of conflict, it's essential to understand that there is no victory in your relationship and that seems to be something that we all get caught up on we think there's supposed to be a victory like who won the argument oh like there's no victory especially in your debates and believe me if you are saying we don't argue you are doing something very very wrong balance is crucial and i cannot stress that enough if you are fighting 24-7, then there are definite issues that need to be addressed appropriately. And before giving up, and yes, I'm aware that my voice just spiraled up then, and before giving up on the relationship or taking into or taking it into an explosive, chaotic mess, <laughs> obviously it depends on your age, but just literally, if like if you're in a relationship and you're fighting 24-7, or you're not fighting at all, and you don't understand, you can't, you, you don't understand the person, blah, 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 just try couple therapy. I literally watch so many older couples do couple therapy, go to couple therapy, and actually freaking work it out. It's not some, you know, sci-fi, spiritual bullcrap, like it's, couple therapy is real, man, like it's based on basic scientific psychology and it's built up from there like it helps so many relationship and it's nothing to be ashamed of by the way it's actually something to be proud of if you can both if you both love each other enough and to, to fix it and go to and get a second perspective at a professional expe- um, perspective by the way don't mistake me on that having a friend's perspective on either side of a relationship is extremely biased whether they say it's not it's extremely biased so having a perspective that is completely and adequately professional is really essential if you want to work at fixing your relationship. What I'm trying to say is uh, don't fight too much and don't fight too less. Nothing is perfect. So you cannot expect your relationships to be perfect. If you think your relationship is perfect, you are fucking delusional. It's easier to make something worse than to make something better, especially if it's as complicated as two people sharing a life together. You need balance in 
your relationship and you also need to let go of your past today. Just like a breath, take it all the way in. Feel it enrich your blood with beautiful oxygen then just release it. You can never breathe the exact same air twice and this is a fundamental principle that we should all carry with us in all of our relationships. I'll conclude on this. If no one is interested in you and I don't know if 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 <laughs> if no one's interested in you in general like if you're attracted to guys and no guys are interested in you, if you're attracted to girls and no girls are interested in you, if you're attracted to both and none of them are interested in you, it's not everyone else's fault. It's yours. So take a moment to sit on the end of your bed when things get rough and ask yourself, although I believe that I've done nothing wrong, if there is a slight chance that I have, what could it be? Often the answer will come immediately and often you won't like it and if that's the case then you have found a solution to your reoccurring issues also to completely end the podcast the definition of insanity is repeating the same thing over and over again with expectations of a different outcome Some more.